Welcome to the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, the tough-talking, advice-giving show by the not-really-mean, mean lady, Susan J. Elliott. Good day, everybody. This is Susan Elliott, host of Mean Lady Talking Podcast, and welcome to episode 66. Want to remind everybody that the special that's going on currently for new and existing $9.99 and $19.99 minis. If you're a $9.99 mini, you can have a choice of a free workbook, power affirmations book, or a signed copy of Getting Past Your Breakup or Getting Back Out There. If you are a newer existing $19.99 mini, you can have two of those. Please send email to MeanLadyTalkin at MeanLadyTalkin.com and let me know what you would like. Okay. I want to thank all of my new meanies, Amanda, Brian, and Elizabeth. Thank you so much for your support. It really means a lot. And Elizabeth is a new $9.99 meanie, so she's going to get a special bonus. Elizabeth, please remember to send me your preference for what you want. And if you want a book, please send me your address. Thank you so much. If you're a new meanie and I didn't mention your name this episode, I'll be mentioning you in a future episode. Just hang in there. If you're not a meanie, please go to MeanLadyTalkin.com. Go down to become a meanie and become a meanie. You will be in fine company. Right now, we have 26 aminis. The show gets about an average of 400 downloads, and that's just downloads that my distributor can count. It doesn't count people that listen on the website, people that listen on YouTube, and people listen and some other means. So we have a lot of downloads, and I would love to see those numbers go up, because if they go up, I could probably get some sponsors, and then... I would be able to give you guys more benefit. I do have more benefits coming. Hang on. I'll be announcing more in August. But I just want to let you guys know that the new benefit that's coming is as of the next podcast. All meanies, $199, 499 $999, and $1999 will get the episodes two days before everyone else. So that is a new bonus that's coming for everyone. I still owe some $9.99 meanies mini episodes. Those are coming. And in August, I'm going to have even more bonuses. And the more supporters that I get, the more meanies that I get, the more bonuses you guys will get. So I was really dismayed to find a lot of people falling off the NC wagon this weekend. It really seemed like people were struggling and I'm not being judgmental here. I'm just saying that it seemed like a lot of people fell off the NC wagon without really trying not to fall off the NC wagon. This entire podcast is not going to be about NC, but I have to say a few words about it. In the Getting Past Your Breakup book and in the workbook, there are things for you to do before breaking NC. It's really important that you go there and you look at them and you do them. You don't just give in to an impulse to see what your ex is up to. And 
One of the things that I discovered a long time ago, and I talked about this on a recent podcast, was I became a certified grief counselor in 1994. I was researching grief for my master's degree, and I've used grief research from my undergraduate honors thesis, for my graduate honors thesis, and for my law school honors thesis. So I've done grief in all these different areas. And when I was sitting there researching and thinking about grief and thinking about different people that I had counseled before I had my degree. But between the time my therapist told me to go no contact in 1990 and the time that I got my graduate degree in 1995 and started counseling people, I was still working in the computer industry during the day, but I had a private practice at night where I did grief counseling, I did relationship counseling, and I did family counseling. I worked with foster families for the Massachusetts Department of Children and Families, but many times I went out to work with foster families because I was a foster child. So between that experience and the work that I had done before graduate school and in graduate school, I had written a handbook for mental health professionals on working with grief and adopted clients and foster care children went into that mix as well. But between the time that my therapist told me to go no contact in 1990 and I received my graduate degree in January of 1995, I had worked with pregnant women in a drug and alcohol rehab center for the last year of my internship for my master's degree. I also ran volunteer groups with women who had difficulties with relationships and things like that. And I was telling them about no contact. So I had been singing the praises of no contact on a more informal basis from 1990 to 1995. But I talked about it all the time. I was talking to people and saying, don't talk to him, don't talk to him, don't talk to him. And I saw the changes in people when they would go no contact and I know the changes in me. So no contact originated with this program and I have audios from 2005 when I'm telling people no contact, no contact, no contact. It's not rocket science. But when I was sitting in the library doing the research for my graduate degree. I have been reading John Bowlby's work because adoptees and foster care kids have attachment issues and I was reading his work on attachment and I read his work with Colin Murray Parks and when I read Colin Murray Parks work on bereavement he did a study of widows and in studying widows he studied Conrad Lorenz's work with the gray lag goose and I've talked about this many 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 times times but a light bulb went on in my head I said oh my goodness this is what it's all about Colin Murray Park studied Conrad Lorenz's work when he was working with widows 
And he had the light bulb moment and said, oh my God, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. When the widows would be searching the crowd, looking for their husband's face, even though they knew that he was dead. Intellectually, you know that he's dead, but you're still looking for him. And they would pick up the phone to call him. And Colin Murray Park said, Oh my goodness, this is what it's all about. This is, it's all about the searching mechanism, which is what the gray lad goose goes through. Even though the gray lad goose sees its mate get killed, it's a goose. It doesn't understand that that is death and the goose is gone. They make for light and they cannot identify this broken animal laying on the ground with their vibrant, loving, caring partner that they've been with their entire adult life. So they leave this broken body the dead goose and they go flying off looking for their mate and they can't find their mate because their mate no longer exists and the goose flies great distances often gets really hurt often gets killed flies great distances at its own peril and Colin Murray Park said that's what the widows do when they're searching for the husband after Michael passed I would drive past where he fished and I would always look for him there, even though I knew he wasn't there. I couldn't not look for him. When you are thinking about the ex, you are going through social media or you're thinking of going through social media or you're thinking about their friends pages or whatever it is you're doing. That's the searching mechanism. It's a normal and natural part of the grief process. Colin Murray Park called this phase of grief the yearning and searching and pining phase of grief and Colin Murray Parks was another person like Beverly Raphael who used the words phases which I prefer over stages but Colin Murray Parks said that the yearning and searching phase is identified by a great feeling of restlessness and he said, during this phase of grief, many times people want to withdraw and be left alone. But they're restless. They're restless and they want to be left alone. During this phase, Colin Murray Park said they also ask a lot of questions. Questions that have no answer. The how and why. Trying to make sense of what happened. And that is the yearning, searching, and Pining phase of grief. When I was reading this, I went, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this is it, this is it, this is it. This is why no contact is so hard. This is why no contact is so hard. We're just like that damn goose. But looking for the ex, contacting the ex, looking on social media, all that stuff is out of our restlessness. It's out of an anxiety. It's out of a need to get answered. It's a normal and natural part of the grief process. And if you just sit with it, if you just leave it alone, it will go away. I'm asking you to please get a grip. When I figured this out back in 1995, I thought that all I had to do with my clients was tell them, this is the searching part of grief. This is what Calamari Park's experience with the widows. This is what Comrade Lorenz experienced with the geese. Just 
intellectually figure this out and all will be well. And of course, we all know that's not what happens. But what you really need to know and you need to wrap your brain around and you need to get into your head once and for all. Breaking NC is the worst thing you can do. The need to search is like quitting smoking. You feel unhinged. You feel restless. You feel icky. You feel like you're going to jump out of your skin if you don't do something. But if you've quit smoking or you know somebody who's quit smoking, you can ask them. The first few days is hell. It's agony. But if you it with it. The nicotine leaves your system and it gets easier and easier and easier. And if you don't search, if you don't give in to the need to search, if you don't give in to the need to fly great distances at your own peril, it gets easier. But if you break no contact, it gets harder. It brings you back to square one. So please don't do it. Don't be a goose. And I love geese. I love geese. I love ducks. I love geese. They're sort of like my spirit animal. But don't be a goose. In this particular situation, don't be a goose. If you're going to be a goose, fly off your own wild blue yonder. It'll be fabulous. Go skydiving if you want to be a goose. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about no contact. I had an email from somebody about the Jody Arias appeal. And yeah, I'm working on the, the podcast. I just haven't gotten there yet. It, it's down there on my list of priorities. One of my moderators showed me an article on Chris Watt that as his daughter's fourth birthday, or what would have been her fourth birthday if he didn't freaking kill her, birthday approached, he was feeling very very sad and his his mother and this is kind of interesting his mother reported that he's become a, a servant of God in prison. One of these jailhouse conversions. You know, he's suddenly a religious person because all he has to read is the Bible. There was a recent People magazine article that said that he was on 23-hour-a-day lockdown. And I know that he's in an evaluation unit. But I remember in February when he gave the confession telling exactly what he did to Shanann and those poor girls. He said that... He was glad they moved him out of Colorado to Wisconsin because he was able to talk to people in Wisconsin because in Colorado they were all they all wanted to kill him. So I'm not sure how he got on 23 hour lockdown again because he had been on 23 hour lockdown unless some of these articles are mistaken. I'm not really sure. I'm going to look into it. But again, it's a lower priority thing for me. But if you have any information on that, please give it to me. But my guess would be if he had been talking to other inmates, which it sound like he had been because he talked to the investigators and he said that in Colorado, they would say, kill yourself, flush your head in the toilet. They really wanted to kill him in Colorado. But in Wisconsin, people were talking to him. People had asked him why he did it, things like that. It seemed like they were having regular conversations. But the recent People magazine story, which seemed to have come out in May, seemed to suggest that he's on 23-hour lockdown again. And the other thing was that he's talking to lawyers about appealing his sentence. Now, 
before everybody goes completely crazy, it's really impossible to appeal a sentence where you've done a plea bargain. And under Colorado rules of criminal procedure, the only way that he could really appeal this plea bargain is under something called Rule 32C. And under Rule 32C, it works something like an appeal, but it's very, very narrow. And for him to be successful on a rule 32c which means that he would get to it would be he would basically get to appeal his sentence and I guess get a trial though I don't know why he would want one of those I really don't I mean he's not going to do any better at trial but I think it's dawning on him that he's spending 50 years in this little box that he put himself in he could have had a beautiful wife and two beautiful daughters and a beautiful son and he even could have left Shanann divorced her had visitation with the kids but no why don't we just murder them all for this little mistress over here? Anyway, foolish, foolish guy. What Rule 32 does is it gives you a chance to basically rescind your plea bargain. But to be successful, you have to either prove that your conviction under the plea bargain was unconstitutional. Good luck with that. Or you have new evidence. Good luck with that. I mean, I don't know what he would come up with. And his mother's making it sound like he is now the greatest thing since the folded napkin. No, he's not. He is a psychopathic killer. That's all he'll ever be. I don't care how many gods he finds in prison. He is a psychopathic killer. And they say that there's a lot of women writing to him in prison. They didn't say whether he's getting the fan mail or not. But how sick do you have to be to write to this psychopath? There are people in this world, I swear, I cannot believe it. Anyway, that's a short Chris Watts update. I don't know if he's going to be in the prison population if he gets off the evaluation unit. And I'm not really sure how to reconcile the fact that he said that he was with the prison population and now he's not. I don't know. Maybe he was threatened. I don't know exactly what happened. Anyway, I was going through the channels the other day, and this isn't another catfish episode. I was going through the channels the other day, and I stopped on this show. I didn't realize it was soap opera, <laughs> but I did within like two seconds of watching it this man says to this woman i think we can start again so obviously this is a reconciliation deal and she says i don't know and he says let's try this is how we'll do it i'll just be open with you you be open with me we'll have no expectation how does that sound and she says perfect perfect <laughs> Perfect, perfect. We're going to have a reconciliation. There's going to be no rules, except you're going to be open with me. I'm going to be open with you. Who the hell knows what the hell that means? That was the stupidest thing I've heard. I said, I can't, I can't, I can't. Five minutes of this and I'm out of here. So crazy. You be open with me. I'll be open with you. And again, frame of reference, I'm sure that they have two different ideas of what the word open means. And if either one of them had been doing the GPYB program, one of them would have said, what do you mean by open? Tell me your definition of open. How open should we be? I mean, what, like, what are you looking for? What are you looking at? What are you talking about? She thinks, oh, perfect. <laughs> Nothing is defined. 
but this is perfect and we're gonna have no expectations obviously except that we're both gonna be open with each other crazy that reconciliation would last about an hour so yeah I'm sure that soap opera will drag it out for about 72 months but in real life, a reconciliation with those two parameters will be open with each other and no expectations. That would last about an hour. So, anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to entertain you guys. Now, one thing that I wanted to talk about is something called resilience. In the Power Affirmations booklet, I have a chapter on infusing positivity into your life. And talking about things in positive terms, even things that we tend to think about in negative terms. The more we use positive language and positive thinking, the easier things become and we have more energy and we become more successful. We have better performance all the way around. So it's important to think about things in a positive way. And one of the things that we need to look at positively is this idea of failure. When we've had a relationship breakup, we often think that we have failed. And there was a quote by Confucius that said, our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising every time we fail. That is our greatest glory. So think about that. Sometimes we feel as if we have failed miserably. We think what we wanted, we did not get. What we wanted to see happen did not happen. Our ship did not come in. Our prince did not come. The glass slipper broke and fell down the stairs. There was no prince and now we're stuck with sneezy and dopey and happy and slappy and all kinds of people we don't want to be with. Our finest hour never showed up. The great American novel never got written. Our whatever chance opportunity sailed right by. We feel as if we tried and we failed and we feel ashamed we feel dejected and we feel defeated and many times just having a breakup will make us feel that way but then we'll have a string of bad luck or a string of bad days or a string of whatevers and we sometimes feel like it would just be easier to get down and not get back up sometimes it feels as if there's no sense in trying it feels like we're just going to lose again we start to feel like nothing works out nothing ever works out and nothing is ever going to work out we feel as if we may have failed but we also did it in a very public way and i've talked about being replaced and i have a blog post on the getting past your breakup website and if you haven't read it go to it which says replace in a very public way on social media by the act and it's in the blog post so if you have are feeling dejected about that, please go to the blog post and read it. But even before we get replaced, we feel as if we failed in a very public way. These days, everything is on social media, everything. So our breakups on social media, you know, one day we've got 100 friends, the next day we've got 50 because we've let 
all of our exes friends go. It doesn't matter if we've lost a relationship, a job, a friend, or an opportunity. Nowadays, everyone knows it. And we feel as if they're living their terrific, wonderful lives and we're losing something yet again. We feel as if our chance has gone by and now everybody knows it. And we think about what they're thinking about. We wonder, are they feeling sorry for us? Are they thinking we're a big fat loser? Are they thinking about how hapless we are? How hapless, hopeless? We're thinking that even our best friends might be thinking that about us. Because failing at something thing, failing at something but the one thing you have to know about failure is that there is no shame in failing. Everybody fails at one time or another. There is no shame in failing. There is only shame in not trying again. You have to get up and you have to try again. And this doesn't mean trying a new relationship. It means get up and Figure it out. Figure out what you need to do to rewind, regroup, and reconfigure things so that you are ready to be on your way again. And the GPYB program is about working out the bad and working in the good. And it's about regrouping and figuring it out and letting yourself know where you are at all times. It's about working out the bad, working in the good. And working out the bad means getting rid of any of those feelings of shame. They are not worth it. They're not true. And I talked in the last podcast about our inner bullies and critical judges that I talk about in the Power Affirmations booklet. And if you go there and you read that section, part of our inner bullies is about you failed, you fucked up, you screwed up, you're not worth anything, you're no good. Look, everyone's laughing at you. In the 1980s, David Letterman used to have his show on after The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And he always had all these characters, all these crazy characters on the show. I mean, the show was hilarious. And he had these two that would tell this long story who were apparently getting beat up by bullies like every day. So they would tell these crazy stories and it would always end with, and then they pelted us with rocks and garbage. And they had these whiny voices and that was always how it ended. And they pelted us with rocks and garbage. <laughs> so some days you feel like the whole world is pelting you with rocks and garbage. And the inner bullies are doing that. They're pelting you with rocks and garbage. You have to forget the inner bullies and the critical judges. If you're feeling like a failure, you have to go to the Power Affirmations booklet and you have to work on your positivity and your language and your spontaneous interruption affirmations. And don't let those critical judges pelt you with rocks and garbage. And how do you do that? You have to journal. If you are feeling that way, if you're feeling like a failure, you have to journal. If you were journaling and you're not journaling now, you have to get back on that horse. You have to do it and you have to keep doing it. If you haven't been journaling as much as you as you were, then you have to keep doing it. You have to monitor the negative self-talk. That is so important. Whenever we feel like a failure, it is negative self-talk coming home to roost. And it's also shame. 
Shame is a very negative emotion. There is nothing for us to truly be ashamed of. Unless we killed somebody like Chris Watt, there is nothing for us to be ashamed of. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. You have to know that it's okay to make mistakes. You have to do your affirmations and you have to visualize you winning, you getting back up, you figuring it out, not staying down. You can visualize yourself being knocked down by whatever it is but you have to visualize you getting back up run up those stairs like rocky you know you have to visualize you getting back up you have to set long-term goals and short-term goals that's what's in the gpyp workbook my publisher didn't want me to put the goals in the books i was only able to say a few words about them in in, in each of those books but there is a huge section and i'm going to be doing a course on goals when the website is fully developed one of the things that I'm doing and this should be in the next month or so is I'm bringing my all of my courses that I teach all over the place I'm bringing them all onto the website and one of the courses that I'm bringing onto the website is the goal so do your action affirmations and get those goals going you have to do the footwork it's hard many times to stay positive and it's hard many times to stay focus but it is so important it is just so important to stay positive and to stay focused adjust your goals as you go I talk in the goal section about adjusting the short-term goals and the long-term goals work on your action affirmations work on your attitude and work on your behavior put your observation preparation cultivation tools to work you have to observe when you don't know what to do do nothing and that is very important if you've been one of the people that is breaking nc nc breaking nc is when you don't know what you're doing do nothing just sit back and watch observe your yourself and others go to the workbook and do the observation exercise you have to sit and just be you have to do the unplugging that the observation chapter talks about you have to learn to sit and just be you have to learn to meditate you have to learn to relax you have to observe you and the world around you preparation preparation is about journaling it's about affirming it's about setting goals it's about preparing for a new life it's about looking into hobbies interests and friends that is the drum i beat all the time remember a healthy relationship is a springboard to your life and a shelter in the storm and the springboard to your life is hobbies interests friends and healthy people have hobbies, interests, friends. And no one's going to be interested in you if you don't have those things. So part of preparation is building a new life. Build a new life. Hobbies, interests, friends. Go to meetup. Go read books. Figure this out. You can do all of this. Visualize your goals coming true. Visualize your new hobbies, interests, and friends. Visualize all of this happening. Believe that it will happen. Do your affirmations no matter what. Cultivation. Keep affirming. Every single day, keep affirming. Keep cultivating a positive attitude. Do the gratitude list. Look up the words of positivity. Do the exercises in the Power Affirmations booklet. 
not just creating your affirmation sets, but also cultivating a positive mindset. It is so important. And keep believing in yourself. Keep believing that you can do this. Remember, you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that you can do this, but you also have to do the things that you need to do to put your goals within reach. And you must have short-term goals and long-term goals and you must do the things that you need to do for your short-term goals to meet your long-term goals. A breakup is an opportunity for growth and change. A breakup can truly be the best thing that ever happened to you. Pain is a great motivator. It should not motivate you to be looking for your ex on the internet. It should be motivating you to get new hobbies, interests, friends, to build a new life. Sometimes rejection or being the one that's not chosen, whether it's a relationship, a job, a partner, play, a house, whatever, sometimes not getting what we think we want is a blessing in disguise. Many times it makes us revamp, regroup, and figure things out. Go a different path. Many times it's a better path. Don't look at only one door. Remember, when one door closes, another door opens. Stop staring at the closed door and go looking for the open doors. Sometimes we want those doors to open right away, but we're not ready for them to open up. We have to wait and we have to be patient. And the doors that are going to open for us when we're ready for them to open will be the right door. We have to wait, we have to be patient, and we have to keep trying. And we have to forget about being a failure or forget about the fact that we failed at something. We have to put that behind us and we have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and try again. There is no shame in failing. There is only shame in not trying again. You will succeed, but you have to believe in yourself and you have to put the pieces in place for your success. Keep putting yourself in the path of opportunity. Keep working on your affirmations. Keep working on your goals. Keep working on building your life. Keep your goals in mind and keep working toward them. You will heal. You will hit your goals. You will change and your dreams will come true. It can and it will happen for you. Be patient. I've often told people that if somebody told me a month after my marriage broke up that it would be nine years before I'd meet my husband Michael, I would have jumped off a roof. But everything that happened in those nine years, every person I dated, every relationship I was in, every step that I took to build my life was about getting ready for that relationship and that part of my life. And there was no way to shortcut that. There was no way to cut corners. There was just no way. It happened the way it was supposed to happen. But if somebody told me it's going to take this amount of time, I would have jumped off the bridge. Learning to deal with failure makes you resilient. It makes you confident. It makes you a different person, a better person, a person with thicker skin, a person who could take other things down the line. There's no shame in failing. There's only shame in not trying again. So try again. You can do this. Trust me on this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Thanks a lot, guys. This is Susan Elliott, host of the Lady Talking Podcast. And hey, let's be careful out there. Talk to you all soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.